welcome to Crow Jam. This is the podcast where two sisters and an occasional guest have Hello, one honey. hour to develop and pitch an original board game concept. Uh, I'm joined this week, as per usual, by my sister Georgia. She is all over the show, quite literally. She's in it. She's building the sets. She won't leave the theatre. Uh, I'm also it's... joined by a uh, returning guest, my good friend Kieran. Hello, hello. Um, I came in a little early there, but um, good to be back. Thank you for having me. Good to uh, have you back. Yeah. Um, do you want to just quickly um, give the, the listener a short spiel on who you are, what you like in games? Um, yeah, maybe absolutely. what you like in serious life. <laughs> oh no, that, that that's miles away now. Um, I am I'm, I'm Kieran. I'm a um, I'm a friend of Projam. Um, I was introduced to quite a few um, board games over the years by Miriam. Um, and in terms of what I like, I spend a bit more time playing on sort of grand strategy uh, computer games. I quite like things with too many mechanics but i do appreciate when there's space for um space for something that's actually quite minimalist and simple as well in games something that does a single job well i in that's me within sort of games or uh, similar outside uh, i am no longer an emergency responder as i was the last time we um i was on this recording but it was, um, but now I've actually moved to a job which has a nine to five, doesn't have ridiculous shifts. It's, it, it, it's a pleasant change. What well, speaking of to make a living, uh, you know, transitions. Um, what is the prompt that you brought us this week? Fittingly, um, and I thought, seeing as it's the beginning of a new year and um, maybe not quite a new me, sadly, uh, I thought I'd bring along the word change. Yes, I also find that I uh, failed to be new. I mean, <laughs> you could say that we're all only ever getting older. Um, I mean, cool. we don't feel it, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you're younger than I am. <laughs> and me. Uh, so what were the what were your initial kind of uh, thoughts around change, I guess, as perhaps applied to a game concept? So my thinking, I was thinking of um, a couple of games, uh, there's sort of a spectrum for what change could mean in a game. Um, on the sort of more simplistic end of the scale, I was thinking of uh, when you have, I was thinking generally about a change in goals, a change uh, over the course of uh, sort of sit down and play of the game so uh, a part of this was thinking about things like uh, what's it called the word is escaping me now um, the train game that you, uh, that you ticket pass to on ride? to us. ticket to ride that's the one where okay. you can sort of pick <laughs> the train up game. Um, uh, yeah perfect um, where you can sort of uh, choose to forgo things on your turn in order to uh, pick up new goals, new things to work towards, and you could do this at any point throughout the game. At the other end of the scale, I was thinking of, I always forget, that I'm, I'm awful with the names of things in general, as you, as you may guess. Um, I was also thinking about, was it the, haunt, uh, the Haunting at the House on the Hill? There's too many oh, yeah. at there's in that particular game. But there's a, uh, but for those unfamiliar with the game, um, everybody around the table starts playing on the same team and at a certain condition one of the players ends up usually one of the players ends up um becoming the villain of the second act and the rest of the uh, the rest of the party have to try and fulfill their objectives while being hunted down by the uh while being hunted down by the traitor almost yeah and i thought something about changing goals changing plans um, would be a fun thing to start building a game around. Yeah, I I'm I tend to be quite like um, interested or charmed by games that do something around like changing goals or perhaps even um, like the way that scoring works 
changes during the game. I'm pretty sure I've talked before about um, Mandala and Bumuntu, both games that do that in an interesting way. I had written down um, ideas for change. Um, one thing uh, I had written down is like game of surviving, like changing conditions or parameters, like sort of like, I guess, kind of perhaps like starting with a, like a population of the things and then like as the and I guess trying to like diversify so that you have the, the best chance of more of your things surviving as kind of like rules change I suppose like for an evolution simulator sort of a bit like evolution the board game but I guess I was imagining something maybe more a bit more abstract like less sort of on the nose I had written down game with a banker you know how some games will have you like assign a banker. Um, this was one of my thoughts as well. I thought about how you might make change. I, I, the game I was actually thinking about that we recently played and that gets name checked a lot on this podcast is Diamond. Where oh, yeah. past a certain point, you ch you change your you know all your one point tokens for a five point token and so on. So I was thinking something where you have physical items that represent victory points. Hmm. Um, and maybe there could be some sort of stuff with kind of like exchange rates and things it did sort of get me thinking kind of along the lines of the the game that we made with on in our last guest episode with um components you know mm. the the idea of like there being like lots of different kinds of things and that they can kind of like um swap into each other the other thing that I had written down is uh, just game with seasons. There's like one or two or three of these that I know of. But yeah, like a game where um, the seasons change and as the seasons change, like something about the way the game is played does as well. I can see a sort of uh, winter where instead of you getting resources, you know, needing to spend through them, for example, in order to uh, survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that Do could really link to your population management idea. Mm. Georgia, what about you? Uh, what were your thoughts? So a lot of what I was thinking about was already covered, you know, changing goals or maybe shifting rules. Although I did also feel that we've done a few things recently where the rules changing has been part of the design. Um, the types of change that have been dominating my life, not to return <laughs> to something that's already been mentioned, oh. but uh, scene changes and costume changes yeah, uh, have been big things for me. We could make um, a quick change game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one where like one half of it is you're trying to change the scenery. The other half is you're trying to get people into costume and you kind of have to like <laughs> balance it out or something. Uh, and um, the goals are changing if there's um if things inevitably go wrong behind the scenes it's like, like a the play that goes wrong the board game yeah exactly it's like an improv um, the board game the play that goes wrong <laughs> the board game that goes wrong <laughs> set the expectations early on I, um, I kind of I... like the idea of like um yeah, I mean, if you did do that, I don't know how much of a board game this would be, but it's funny to me just the idea of, like, even in just a, a show that goes wrong kind of way, like, the 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 people don't quite manage to do their costume change, and then the people who are changing the scenery have to try, try and, like, adjust for the new, like, um, you know, like, genre or setting or whatever. Um, oh, that that could be quite fun, though. I, I I'm now sort of picturing a game. It, it won't be. It doesn't sound like it'd be particularly relaxing, but with a uh, but with some quite short timer that you've got to try and do too many things, and it seems to get faster and faster. Multiple other people trying to do their bits, and it all not quite fitting together. <laughs> that does sound like a fun, not exactly like a a party game, but like a raucous good number of players kind of thing I'm imagining like maybe even like a little bit of a 3D board where 
I don't know, the person whose job it is this turn to get the scenery in place has to, you know, like change the backdrop and bring on some furniture and they, yeah. Hmm. And meanwhile, there's somebody who's um, who's basically looking after all the uh, legwear for the characters and somebody else for the uh, for the other half of it. There's no, there may not necessarily be a story, but you're trying <laughs> to create one by the fact that somebody has just uh, uh, walked on in in ball gown, um, ball gown and sets and sort of thing. That could, that could be an interesting. <laughs> one yeah, like maybe like sort of thinking thematically like when you're backstage there's tons and tons of people whose job it is even in a tiny little amateur production there's loads of people whose job it is to like stay on top of everything so they know what you've got to put on for your next scene and they're there to help you like put your arms in the jumper or whatever um but maybe you could do kind of like a hand trading thing where oh my god where's my hat like oh, I'm, I'm supposed to have a fan in this next scene you know like a bit of chaos and trying to get the right cards off people by doing trades. Huh. Okay. So this that is potentially good. a cooperative game. A game I... that I learned and played today, just thinking about sort of mechanics and kind and like maybe how to do this in perhaps a more like unique or interesting way. A game that I played and learned today is The Crew, which is a cooperative trick-taking game and the idea is that you you play trick-taking but you get a number of goals and there's a card like you get a number of tasks and a, and each person like going clockwise from the first person like gets a card from us from like a smaller deck which is like I need to win the trick in which this card is played and then you need to kind of like work together and use like strategy and communication to make sure that happens. I really like that as an idea because if you had it sort of like rotating or alternating so on one round it you know each round that's played or each hand that's played a different player is the sort of the director almost and it's looking for a certain set of outcomes mm -hmm. and then um yeah like basically i, I see... need to win the hat <laughs> i could see different um almost suits in terms of it being costumes props uh even instruments that are going to be playing for the next bit if it was a musical say you know? yeah sound cues light cues mm -hmm. Like all the things that have to come together. And then from those suits needing to have certain numbers to do to achieve certain goals of the director, maybe they're maybe they's they've almost got a target card which says you need to have five blue, three red, and if you have more, it's better. Maybe an extra mm. uh, extra point over and above what the point uh, on their target would be but that feels a bit maybe that's sort of nailing it down too much too soon yeah no I I quite I like the direction that's going though because it makes me think that you could have the the colors or the suits or whatever kind of represent like moods in the in the whole production I'm starting the timer by the way um, um good stuff I so, wonder whether I don't know I don't want to like send us too far down the trick-taking like alley in case there might be a, another way that we would want to play the mechanics. May I quickly confess that I don't really know what trick-taking is? Oh, so it's just like Whist or another, you know, like Hearts, like a game where you win the, you know, somebody leads with a suit and you win the trick if you play either the, the highest card of that suit or if you cannot follow suit, you can play a trump card and the highest trump card in that trick would win um, okay so there's there's like rules about what you can do and if you can follow suit you must um mm -hmm. and so yeah a so different trick taking game for an example is another more sort of standard card mm -hmm. game uh played this with yourself a few times Ray. 
um, oh, yes. an Italian card game by the name of Scopa, which is which means to sweep. Um, the aim in that is you've got several face-up cards. You have to match the number value of one or multiple face-up cards to one of the cards in your hand at that time. Oh, and maybe if you are yeah. able to take. Um, if you are able to clear all the face-up cards that remain, um, you win a scoper, which is one point. Um, and you normally play to 11 points or 21 points. There's several other mechanics, but that's an example of a trick-taking, a trick in a trick-taking game. I wonder whether that's the way we might want to have it then if we did do trick-taking. A, so it's not too similar to the crew, and B, because I feel like having the like face up cards visible for the like for the like theatrical element it's just a bit more nice kind of visually i yeah. have a possible suggestion that i don't have completely nailed down so i'm going to do a little bit of thinking aloud right now so this is a game that's played over multiple hands you know multiple rounds uh and i'm also sort of suggesting that uh, like the different uh, sort of suits, the different colours represent kind of like some characteristic of a scene. So it could be a comic scene or a dramatic one, a very, you know, a melodramatic one. Um, those are some examples. So maybe in each hand, whatever is the sort of prevailing, the winning mood would then... Um, Go into or... <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was going to say it would go into like a a spread that kind of then at the end represents the play, and maybe there's a collaborative goal where you want the play to be more funny than sad or something like that, or you want a dramatic scene at the end. So, one of your collaborative goals is to try and have particular emotions win out at particular times for points bonuses. Ooh, that sounds fun. Okay. Is that maybe too... Too granular? Well, I was thinking more like if the... If the scale of what we're aiming for is at the level of the play, is it... Does it make it more difficult to feel useful at the round level? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I do know what you mean. And also, you don't want it to be sort of too predetermined what happens. I, I was thinking of it more as kind of like some kind of bonus scoring option or something. The thing I was sort of imagining as perhaps, a, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm just going to describe it, is when we were talking about like suits being more to do with like props and costumes if we had it sort of sort of the crew style where like a goal is like okay in this round i need to win the trick where this fancy hat is played there's one person that needs to to win that but maybe in that round if they don't win that trick then in the following round it's like you have to improvise along the lines of what actually happened so maybe they like instead one a trick that has a different costume item in or or the person who did get the the trick that had the hat in now has they get like a, a new goal added so instead of having one goal that round they have two and it's like uh, this time I need to you know I also need to like have a fancy tie but I also need to be on a chaise long <laughs> okay do you know what I mean? Like, I think oh, I know what you mean. I feel like I'm having, I am being a little bit, I'm struggling a little bit with not fully understanding. Like, I under, I've understood your descriptions of trick taking, but none of the games you've described are games that I've played. So, mm. I'm having a hard time thinking about how a round might play out. I don't know if Miriam, if you wanted to do a bit of a like. So I could try and give a bit of an example. Um, of how the crew went so it would be like so there, there's I think there's four different colored suits in that game and then there's rockets which which are just like one to four and are always trump suit and somebody has a goal it's like okay Nick 
has to win the trick that, in which blue four is played. So we all know that in the trick in which blue four is played, which could be on any turn, like say there's four players, it could happen on the first turn or the last turn. None of us needs to, if, if, if we're playing blue, then we need to play lower than four. We cannot play a trump card. Uh, so I we need to basically either play one, two, three or, of blue or some other color. But because of the way that the rules in a, that sort of whist style game work, if we have a higher blue card, we have to play it if the lead card is blue. <laughs> so there's sort of like, I am really bad at this kind of games and when I play whist with Abby's family, I, I suck at it. But there's all this kind of knowledge of information about what goes, what is always what is sensible to do at a given point. Um, and there's an additional mechanic in that, in um, the crew, where you can use, you have like one little token that you can use. You can put a card down from your hand. It's still technically in your hand, but it's shown to the other players. And you can basically place a token which says either, this is my only card of this suit. It's the highest card I have of this suit, or it's the lowest card of, I have of this suit. So you have to indicate one of those three things about that card. And by looking at that, other people can make decisions about like, if they're the lead player this round, then whether now is a good time to initiate the, the hand in which somebody's goal card is. is I, it, it's honestly more complex than even I have fully grasped. So I don't blame you if it's not making sense. So if the suits are, if suits are, let's say like costumes, props, scenery, lighting and sound, Mm -hmm. uh then in a particular round it could be like in in this scene i have to win on costume mm -hmm. um and that would be like an objective for one player uh what i what i'm not quite understanding is sort of like if everyone is working towards the same objective i suppose Pose I haven't entirely understood what the barrier is to constant success. Um, Chance, I suppose. Yeah. In terms of what's actually available. What you let's can say play. it's the let's say it's the example I gave before. Nick needs to win the trick in which blue four is played. Nick goes first and plays the blue four. I've got a blue seven in my hand. I don't have any. You know, I, I have to follow suit. That's the rules. Right. So I automatically am, am preventing him from winning that trick just by dint of the fact that I have to play a blue card. But then if someone played a lower card of a trump suit, then Nick could still win if he had a higher card of that same suit? You that only play one card. Each player plays one card in the in the trick so right okay okay you could yeah my my lack of understanding of these games is definitely acting as a barrier <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't do this <laughs> well i'm not opposed to doing it it's i just need to i just might need additional like explanation to help me understand it mm. um so in a round of like just doing a super simplistic just thinking about what it is that we're describing let's say that each of the three of us are playing a, a round of this game we each have a hand visible to us invisible to the other players which would have a mix of cards from all five suits uh we know that in this round uh like the goal is for the leading lady to have the to to win on costume I'm the leading lady. Uh, I start. I play a hat that's worth two. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you would have to follow with costume. Yeah. Uh, or you could follow with a lower scoring card of a different suit that would be like the designated Trump suit for that 
hand yeah or maybe so like you don't always have to follow like with style rules for example in brian boru there's no rule about having to follow the lead suit if you can and in scopa which kieran was talking about mm-hmm. um it's not like that at all and i think it might actually be a nicer shall i explain a bit of scopa yeah yeah yes okay yes. So uh, Scopa is played with a Triocene 40-card deck, uh, which is the numbers 1 through 7, and then Page, Knight, King, instead of Jack, Queen, King. Um, And um, that's ultimately irrelevant for the actual mechanics of the the game. What happens is there are four face-up cards in the middle of the... uh, um, in the middle of the play area. Um, Those cards display a number on them. Uh, The face cards are 8, 9, and 10 to fill out after the number 7. And each one of the players has three cards dealt into their hand. And what that player uh, does is they have completely open choice about which card they want to play. And it's not relative to suits or things like this. It's just about matching the numbers. If I had a, if there was a two, a three, a king, which counts for ten, and a, um, and a six, on that are all face up in the middle of all of us, and I have a five in my hand, I can essentially add the two to the three place down my five and take all three of those cards to put that in my sort of one trick-taken pile, leaving one king and one uh, six on the board. If then, uh, if Re goes next and has a six, can just pick up the six. And then if you had a king, you could pick up the king. And at that point, the board is empty. We're all down to two cards in our hand because we haven't drawn any further cards. And I would be forced to play one of my cards. Um, at that stage in the game, uh, Georgia, yeah. you already have one point, and um, and I would be at a disadvantage because I'm basically um, making it's potentially easy for Re to do the same and sweep the board again and get a scoper. Yeah. So if you if you pick up the last cards that are, that are like on the table, that's what's called a scoper, and it's like an automatic point. Um, if you can't pick up any cards, like, like you know, we had the example of where there was like eight, nine, ten, and three, and I have a five. I can't really, I, I can't match any of those values in any way. So I just have to add my five to the table, and that becomes part of the like selection of cards that there are. Okay, so we so could I'm... do kind of a like a scoper reskin. Um... And then it could be like competitive, collaborative. So some of the, again, the goals that you aim for in Scopa, the things which contribute towards your uh, points over many uh, many rounds of the game, are most cards, most of a certain suit, one particular card, um, the seven of coins in that particular uh, deck and game, and also a really overcomplicated one, which is about the most number of sevens, sixes, fives, and if people have even numbers of everything down to a certain level, then they end up um, then they end up uh, then no point is awarded. So if two people tie on the same number of coins that they have in their uh, de- in their sort of one trick, uh, the t- tricks that they've taken, then no points are awarded. They're like, um, they cancel each other out kind of thing. Yes. Um, it needs to be a strict majority. Or um, So there are things that we could potentially do around that in terms of most uh, a designated Trump um, suit almost, which then becomes the, if you are able to take the 10, whatever that represents, the 10 of that suit, then that's an automatic point. Or if you get the most cards of that suit, if we're looking at a sort of scoper-like reskin. So it would be like if we were thinking of a theatrical metaphor, like kind of stealing the show in a particular scene. So maybe if you you get to do a particular thing, then maybe you take, you know, like a 
rose token representing people being like brava um well, that, 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 I'm just yeah kind of and then out. i feel like this georgia i think there's a quite a lot of bumping on your world track just be oh, aware. okay yes uh i will be aware of that uh so, I, I was yeah no it's fine i might have just been bumping it while uh while thinking um stealing the show you were yeah yeah so you know like one of those objectives could represent you stealing the show i was thinking that you could do uh you know like uh how to put it so like uh, a card might be removed and go into a spread like i was talking about for kind of like a final assessment of the show mm-hmm. like maybe the person who wins the like a round would get to put a card up into like a representation of the show that kind of says like oh in that scene the costumes were brilliant or something there, there was a bit of an overexcited virtuoso trumpet player yeah yes <laughs> um if this was a game about like an improv troupe then it would, I guess, perhaps be a little bit easier to lean into the kind of like competitive slash collaborative element. And it would also be sort of interesting theming wherein, I guess, like, yeah, if you have sort of like goal cards that are played to the table and you're trying to match them, that sort of represents kind of like rising to the challenge of the improv like prompt or the situation yeah, so it'd be or, like or the like audience making it funny kind of thing mm. and then and then that could could like le- you know lead into the the thing you were saying about like cards being displayed as part of the as like what took place in a show and it also means that like perhaps each hand like the person who in a lot of trick-taking games like the person who won the last trick is the lead player the next time in fact i think that's fairly universal based on what i know um and it could be that 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 player is they they not only lead the trick but they they sort of like lead the kind of like story or scenario like the card that they won with it's like okay well now we're working with doctor's office or you know um, that would allow a lot. That, that could potentially also allow a wider variety of costumes or music or um, yeah or other things as you go along. If it is a bit more bitty, like an improv show is more likely to be. Yeah, music could be included as a suit because that's also like a kind of a common thing at an improv show. Like, I'm just thinking, um, whose line is it anyway? Now, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Branch on the piano. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so if Scopo's normally played with a forty card deck, does it break anything to make a bigger deck? You know, a, a say like five suits of ten instead of four or something like that. So the way a game is normally played is um, you normally put down four. As I say, you you start with four cards in the middle, and then you divvy up the rest of the cards. If you're playing with only three people, you end up removing. Um, four cards from the deck so that there are then exactly 12 rounds before you get through all cards um, because mm-hmm. if, uh, like 12 times 3 is the remaining 36 um, cards that you have there um, and you I think I've done my math wrong there Do you remove mm-hmm. those cards at random no, or the way you're meant to play, uh, as we were told by an elderly Italian man when in Italy, was you must remove the fours <laughs> because there isn't <laughs> a fourth player, apparently. To answer your question like more generally, though, like I, I given we don't need to make exactly Scopa, yes. I, I think <laughs> the size of the deck is not like, is not going to, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to break anything. Like in the crew, it's like numbers one to nine of four different suits and then there's an extra four for like trumps and you know obviously if you're playing a trick-taking game with a 52 deck like it all it all works i don't think it mechanically changes too much yeah um 
it's uh, the way that we're talking about it at the moment. It sounds like it'd be a bit shorter than Scoper as well. Wouldn't necessarily have to play to the end of the deck several times in order to fi find a winner. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is normally how the game goes. It might be a because you're shooting for like a a goal of points. And if everybody's equally matched, the only thing that ticks along is that one trump card, the seven of coins. <laughs> I've never managed to win a game of scope with you guys. One day. I, th I, I think, that, honestly, I think the issue is just Abby. Uh, <laughs> Abby she is often the issue when vicious. it comes to limited opportunities to win any given game. I don't help. I, I just uh, I give up on winning and just need to make other people suffer. Um, is, is Mind you, Georgia is also a big problem in this regard. Well, I've never played this game, so I feel I'm being unfairly maligned. <laughs> I just meant about games in general. You're good at winning them. I don't know if that's true. I think this is a misrepresentation. I think you're good at losing them. <laughs> fair. Very fair. When I play with other people, I hardly ever win. <laughs> I'm just pre-programmed to hand you the keys. Um, it's a sibling thing. <laughs> uh, uh, the benefits of being an only child. <laughs> <laughs> the many, many benefits. Uh, you just don't, you just don't play these games um, if your parents aren't interested. <laughs> oh well. Um. So to, yeah, I guess. Um, if I try and describe what I'm imagining, it would be like the players represent, you know, the, the troop members. And um, there's perhaps like a certain number of hands in a game, which is a show. So it, I don't know, say six rounds or six hands. Um, and are we working together trying to aim for a certain result? So what I was thinking is that it's collaborative in that you're working for, say, a particular type of show. So you're looking for the tableau you create at the end to, I don't know, like score a certain number of points or have a predominant suit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you, there is also a, a an outright winner as well. So like everyone wins because there's a good show, but then someone did the best. Hmm. I wonder whether it could be so normally whist and similar. Um, you're aiming to play the highest card. Perhaps there could be a restriction on for it to be a good show. You have to the total number um, played on the cards has to be less than a certain total, or something like this. Because then that people have almost opposite incentives. They want to play high for themselves to win. They want to play low so that people, uh, so that everybody, so that their their win actually counts. So that it's actually a good show, as opposed to yeah undermining everybody else and uh, nobody having a good time and it all falling apart. <laughs> I'd say like an individual can't win if the show is a failure. Yes. Like there's no. There's nothing about being the best person at a garbage show. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's um, the sort of thing I was thinking. Yeah, because I, I do quite thinking... like things that blend uh, cooperative with competitive. The goals, the like overall show goals, could be the goals which are related to like the sort of audience prompts or or like the aim of the show initially like what did we build this show as well we build it as like horror improv you know and or we were given the prompt that it should you know um take place in a haunted house and so the the kind of like final display of of what took pl place in the show needs to fulfill yeah like maybe certain numbers or or something related to that Are and then the actual trick goals that take place within the hands can be more to do with like sort of just like following the flow of what's happening in the improvised sort of script if that makes sense so yeah here's what I am imagining is that there would be a collaborative goal which would be a single card turned over randomly at the start of the game that's like 
it's kind of like your show flyer. It's like um, a variety night. And then the objective would be like you've played four rounds and all four of the cards in the tableau are of a different suit. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that's the objective that has to be achieved for anyone to win. Mm. Then for each round that you play, you turn over an audience prompt, which is like a dentist's office. And then the trick has to be one on a scenery card or something or, um, or maybe you know, an it, occupation. Maybe it and it of, um, I can imagine there being a bit of arguing about um, what do you mean you uh, we, we can't use the vampire teeth in a dentist's office? It, it, it's it, it's it's going to be. It, they're literally teeth. I could see there being arguments. Yeah. Um. So. So yes. What is the individual goal? Like, is it simply be the player who won the most tricks, or is it have you have individual goals that relate to particular like cards, and or um i mean it could i could see either work really it's a um having it relating to individual cards adds another set of adds more complication and makes it more sort of variable i suppose if that's what we're aiming for so if it was kind of scope of style then it would be the the beginning of every hand there's you know like two or three or four cards which are at the center of the table face up and that which kind of like indicate which you know if it if it's if it's kind of pure scope of rules then it's like that's what you're going for that could be the problem to to like to match value wise and then you can pick those up. So, um, I have maybe had... it's... sorry, I'm gonna sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. I had a thought, and I don't know if this thought works or not. So I'm just gonna say it out loud and see what you guys think. Could different suits, rather than all be being numbered one to ten, could different suits have slightly different? number ranges or number qualities so that you have to do a little bit more trickery to make it add up like for example could one of the sets only have even numbers but two of everything so it has two twos two fours two sixes two eights two tens and then vice versa for one that only has odd numbers so you could never win an odd numbered card with only cards of a different suit um or could you have one set that like instead of going from one to ten goes from like two to twelve um so that you would have to do a bit more work to to win the higher pointed thing um i kind of like the idea i think that the way maths works and also um, maths. Oh, it always the, gets in the way, doesn't it? No, I don't think it gets in the way. Like the way, certainly the way Scope works is you're only ever playing one card. Mm-hmm. Like the, the card that you're using, either you play it because you're unable to pick anything up, or you like show it and and then pick up cards. So you only ever can play one card, but then if your the the total value of your card is the sum of two other cards then you can pick them up so so I oh mean... yeah so i had that reversed where you were playing cards out of your hand to win cards in the spread but it would still work the other way yeah, yeah i you just know, had but that like if i had the four, four from the only even suit then i can pick up a three and a one from the, the only, only odd suit or two twos from the uneven suit or and so on yeah so then if you have like a card from the suit that's quite high scoring you might be able to pick up two high point value cards or you might not 
you might be able to pick up three cards. Yeah, you mm -hmm. can do that in Scopa. Um, and so on. So, yeah, I feel so like then... that might help to make the cards distinct beyond like their um, just their their theming, and then that might create opportunities for like different types of decisions. I think that when it comes to what the individual goal is, it probably wants to be something to do with not so much what tricks you win as, or how many tricks you win as like what cards you pick up. Um, like have, um, have one third of your hand one third of your hand rounded down be um be this particular suit which is something you can try and aim for but chance can sort of take it away from you a bit yeah hmm this is a tr we've really led ourselves down quite a tricky <laughs> yeah, yeah can i do a time check as well uh we're at uh 27 minutes left so uh, there's some things I want to cover and there's some things I don't want to get too bogged down in. I'm quite happy to say that this is kind of like an advanced reskin of Scopa at its core and not get too much into the mechanics of how that plays. So mm. it's kind of like, because, you know, there are there are games that are just like that. Um, uh, there's a... A game oh, that was like hungry monkey. published, yeah, hungry <laughs> monkey. That's what I was gonna say. That is just shithead, <laughs> um, just with like animals on the cards instead. So I don't see anything wrong with doing something with that at its core, mm -hmm. and then making adjustments. So possibly changing the number of suits, possibly making you know we're not gonna balance it live on this podcast, but like doing things to balance the numbering on the suits so that they're all a bit distinct. And you have to do slightly different combos to make mm. it work. Then you have individual... Yeah, go ahead, Kieran. I was going to say, um, this may be throwing too much into the rest of it, but maybe depending, maybe at the beginning of each round scene, whatever we're uh, thematically approaching it as, um, there could be a rule brought into play for that round. So, for example, you and the person you're sat beside uh, the person to your left, you can combine values on your cards to pick up something on a sort of shared turn, um, or essentially instead of picking up with one card, you're picking up with two. Having that sort of collaborative bit, if it was a duo bit, or uh -huh. maybe I really are... like that thematically for bringing us back to change mm -hmm. and for making it feel a bit more improv, you know, like you might have had an idea of what you were going to do and then a card turns over and it says like, oh, for this one, you're teamed up with the person opposite you or, uh, you know, other things that might change for this play. One, every, um, every green card has a value of 10 or has a value yeah. of 6. Um, doesn't count for the for totaling up points, uh, totaling up value at the end of the game, say, but for this particular round, remember that. And it could mm. create scenarios where hands you previously thought you'd want to win, you want to lose. Mm -hmm. Like, um... you lose two points for every green card in your hand at the end of the uh, at the end of the round, or, or the the winner of this trick has to discard everything that they win in this trick instead of keeping it, so then it doesn't contribute to your. Mm. goal so then everyone's battling to like to lose it instead of win it yeah and I think that in terms of collecting of like having winners or like people having success maybe we can do something a bit love letter style where there's just like cubes representing kind of hands one and the winning a hand would not be about like collecting the most tricks though maybe or like they're in the what same way as scope there could be sort of multiple ways of accruing points like one is to do with having the most tricks but one's to do with like um wearing the fanciest outfit 
<laughs> you know, like, so, I guess, like in the cards that you've collected, have you got a hat, a boot and a tabard? <laughs> so that was kind of what I was thinking is that, like, I appreciate this is adding a lot of complexity, but here are the different types of goal that I and the different types of scoring I was imagining there being. So overarching everything, there's what I'm thinking of as the show goal, which is like some kind of pattern or result that is made using one winning card. So uh, there's, let's imagine there's four rounds representing four scenes. When you win, you have to commit one of the cards that you won to the this this tableau of four cards. And that tableau has to achieve some kind of randomly determined goal. It could be a color combination, a pattern, a score. If it fails to achieve that, then no one wins. So the collaborative objective is to do the best you can to achieve that show goal. Mm -hmm. Then there are individual goals. Now, I think you might take a cube when you win a trick. And you might also have what I would think of as a character goal. So like if your character is the prima donna or the comic relief or whatever, like there's one type of thing you're always wanting to do that lets you take another cube if you do it. Right. Um, and maybe you get to take it whether you win the trick or not. So like best case scenario at the end of a trick, you've achieved your public objective and you've won. So you get two cubes but you could have lost and achieved your objective. So you take one. Mm -hmm. And then we might get this, also this new rule that's turned over for every scene that's like the audience prompt mm. that could be really simple or could be more complicated. And that might sometimes also involve people winning extra cubes, but not always. Yeah. So I know that's quite a lot of complexity, but I think it just adds a, like a lot of flavor to the central mechanics which are relatively simple uh-huh how do we feel about all that yeah i i, I kind of like the idea of externalizing the tracking as opposed to just being on the cards because that's one of the really annoying things about scopers trying to keep track of your your scopers your tricks and it ends up taking up a lot more space than you'd like it to i find <laughs> so um... being able to take a cube when you win a win a trick that would then also there's no need to ever play all the way through the deck then so the deck could be arbitrarily large or arbitrarily small i suppose like um because you could just reshuffle at any time okay so long as the it's essentially yeah um hand size times number of players minus however many maximum you'd expect to be in the tableau yeah, which is a, a relatively simple mm -hmm. uh, equation. Uh, I yeah, I like this. Should we think about the look and feel and things like that? Yeah, that's what I was about to suggest. Can do. It's probably about twenty-two minutes or so left. <laughs> um. <laughs> Or should I not ask? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the thing that I'm definitely thinking is that each card has an illustration. Mm -hmm. So it's like it will have a value. And, a, and on that card, there's a different thing. And I suppose that to some extent, that means that we're kind of like assigning values to different types of costume or scenery. Which, and maybe we don't. Like, I you, think... You know... It that can be pure flavor though can't it it doesn't have to be like yeah oh, a pair of pants is better than a hat it's just you know to make it feel to if let I it create to go without stories. one i would choose the hat <laughs> um, go without for quite a, yeah, yeah 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 okay <laughs> um so that's yeah. i'm definitely imagining that and i suppose I'm imagining sort of a an a style. Hmm. It may be too much to add to it, but I'm always imagining a card which has a number in opposite corners, a picture of a tree for scenery, say, and 
maybe this is again uh, too much to add to it but i remember george when you're talking about uh, moods earlier on maybe there'd be a little graphic in the side that would be the sort of comedy smiling face or the um or a frowning face or uh, i i don't quite know how to do a sort of i can't think of an icon for m melodrama at the moment mm -hmm. um maybe there could be um almost like an extra tone sort of pictogram in uh, in one corner that sort of sticks out a bit instead of it being in full color it's in black and white in a, a different corner which is then um which then actually yeah a bit like uh, what you're drawing there which then ends up contributing to the overall tone of uh what that scene or what that tableau ends up looking like yeah those could be like not necessarily relevant for for the you know the trick taking mechanics but could have to do with goals so you know if you're mm -hmm. the tragic heroine then you know tragic cards could be part of your private or, or part of your personal goal um or something like that um, yeah um i guess what what kind of illustration style are you imagining i feel like i've got sort of a picture in my head but i can't really describe it it's can you describe it through interpretive dance <laughs> it's sort of like fairly detailed but not to go so far as to be like realistic it's still like line art kind of like like tintin level sort of costume you know so it's it's cartoon but it's not like overly simplistic um and has like like nice vivid colors and stuff yeah i was picturing sort of not quite drama in the pictures but i i i think it's because i'm a trumpet player but um i'm just i'm sort of picturing a trumpet not just side on but almost looking like it's three quarters playing towards you it's sort of uh almost not fully foreshortened but a bit more but it looks like it's actually being played towards a crowd a bit cartoonish but Mm. Again, recognisably a trumpet, as opposed to something used to wind me up when I was younger, was cartoons where th th there was presumably a length of pipe that connected two things that wouldn't, that, that isn't actually shown, and uh, and that really wound me up at times. Uh, <laughs> it was wrong, oh. <laughs> but but, um, uh, but something that sort of be about to get annoyed at George's not completely one hundred percent accurate depiction of a trumpet. <laughs> It, that, that's the sort of thing I was. Uh, that's the sort of thing I was thinking. Um, like <laughs> it, it's recognisably a trumpet, and it's actually it, and it's got sort of vibrance to it, a sort of gold on a dark green background, or something like this. Um, They've got a thing that's in a display case on. I think it's the top floor of Aflex at the moment. That's mm -hmm. like a, a an outfit that a drag queen wore on Drag Race. And it's got like literally, literally two like plastic model trumpets like attached to the tits essentially. And when we went there, Abby was like, "Oh, <laughs> these trumpets are so anatomically incorrect." Is it they're not even proper? Uh, not even proper pea bones. There's a or bit something on the like inside that's like not even connected. You can see the molding. There's too many valves. The valves would not move. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, is recognisably a trumpet something you're picturing being on the uh, um, yes, being on the card now as well. Uh, recognisably a trumpet raves, Kieran. Recognisably a trumpet is the name of the show. It's kind of like a um... recognisably a trumpet is the name of my scar band. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, okay, so I think the final thing for us to consider is a uh, a name, a game name. Yeah. I damn, I, I, I burnt recognise me a trumpet too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick change. Uh, trick change. Trick, trick change trick is good. Change. Trick prop, you know, like a trick um, knife or yeah. like a... 
trick door or something. You can have trick things in. Um... Yeah. A uh, gimmick is another word for that. Uh... <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh, awful puns like the proper way to uh, to do an improv <laughs> show or something like this. Um... Improv. Uh, um. Improv. <laughs> something. Uh. Maybe it's just uh, growing up around Edinburgh as well, but I, I'm just—I uh, feel like I'm getting more flashbacks to how busy it gets around the fringe, and mm. all uh, and all the improv shows. <laughs> uh, hmm. Lunatic fringe. <laughs> I think I like trick change or maybe gimmick. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I like both of those, I think, for the trick change is more theatrical, gimmick is more like feels more like the name of a of an improv game, I guess. Um, yeah. But they're both quite nice. Kieran, anything that you prefer? Um I do, I do like trick change just because we've been talking about quick change, but I'm not sure it will be recognised as as that as that from just the name. And um, considering what one fifth of the cards, approximately, give or take, what whatever we do with card size and numbers, etc., mm. I think gimmick may be something that describes it a little bit better. Yeah. So gimmick, gimmick. G some with some kind of tagline of <laughs> yeah <laughs> some kind of tagline about tricks or uh yeah like tricks up your sleeve or all the tricks in the book uh an improv game with all the um with all the uh, uh with as many tricks up your sleeve as you can fit yeah any words but yeah <laughs> yes uh okay nice um well, 10 minutes to go. Um, well, quick recap. Yeah, we'll do a quick recap. So the game we've designed today is called Gimmick, and it's a sort of improv-themed take on an Italian game called Scopa, uh, which we uh, based on, um, which is like a trick-taking game uh, with some uh, sort of central rules. Uh, so in Scopa, you have cards in your hand, which you use to try and sweep cards from a central spread by uh, playing cards, which would be totaled by cards in the middle. Uh, and we've sort of added some texture and some theming to that. So it's themed around an improv show. There's five suits, costumes, prop, music, jokes, and scenery. There is it. This is a collaborative cooperative. So there is a shared goal and individual goals. Rules change with every new hand, with every new scene to kind of create maximum chaos and creativity. If you don't reach, if you don't achieve the shared goal, then no one wins but you have to achieve your individual goal multiple times to uh, win overall. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, cards that have different types of... So the cards are illustrated with different scores. We think that different suits might have slightly different card values to create sort of more interesting mathematical decisions. Uh, and yeah, we ended up naming it Gimmick uh, to reflect that it's kind of about tricks and trickiness. Uh, yeah, is there anything I missed? I, uh, I think only the mention of cubes as a way of keeping oh, track yes. of scoring. But... Yeah, you, um, yeah, when you win a trick or achieve your individual goal, you can take cubes so that that makes it a bit easier to see who is the overall winner. All right.
Well, I think this has been a really interesting uh, episode of Crow Jam. Kieran, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me back. Uh, yeah, it was great to have you. Um, Kieran's uh, lovely voice can also be heard on the Unfinished Business episode uh, from 2022, uh, where we made a uh, sort of a highly impractical <laughs> game, uh, like a ghost communication game. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, Kieran, for joining. Thank uh, thanks, Georgia, for coming along. Thank, Thank you, you. Uh, one listener, who I, I think honestly listener. might be present on the call. <laughs> I, I, I'm working my way through the back catalogue, okay? And as should any other listener who's listening to this episode, uh, listen to the others as well. They're good. Um, and uh, join us next time for more Crow Jam. Good call. Good call.